Heavenly Father, I ask that you uh, strengthen me. I ask that my words be not my own, but I give myself to you now. Lord, to thank you again for the blessing of the Sabbath day. I ask this in your name. Amen. I won't ask for a show of hands, but we're going to talk about fishing. So if you've ever fished, as I go back and forth between metaphors and analogies, I ask that you bear with me. I have one fish story at the end. It is a good fish story, uh, but it is an analogy. So my sermon is entitled To Catch a Fish. To Catch a Fish. Um, please let me know if you can't hear me because I may wander away from the microphone. We don't have our headset microphone because we have several things going on today. If you're not aware, we have a prophecy series that's in full swing uh, down in near Gun Barrel. And uh, Pastor Chris is there uh, speaking with a, a rather, rather large group. I believe we had about 25. And uh, I encourage you to come out tonight around 7 o'clock to join him there. So we have some people out there fishing. We have several members of the congregation out at the Amen Conference, which I believe is in Florida this year. So my sermon is titled, To Catch a Fish. So what does someone need to catch a fish? What do you need to catch a fish? I wanted to bring my fishing pole. Someone said fishing pole. You need a net. You need tackle, gear. Someone said an $80,000 boat. No? That's Chuck. Chuck said that. So I would, catch, I would argue to catch a fish, one needs to start knowing, start by knowing about the fish. Would you agree with that? So to catch a fish, you have to know about the fish. So we'll be reading in Luke 5, 1 to 3. Have a very large clicker back here. So we're reading in Luke 5, 1 to 3. When you get there, say amen. So here in this passage, we find Jesus out fishing. Jesus is fishing. Has anyone ever gone to the Tennessee Aquarium or a large aquarium during feeding time at one of the big tanks? And uh, did you notice that the fish tend to follow the food? And if there's no food present, they go to where the food would be or where they're being fed. The fish tend to go where the food are and occasionally take other people with them. So I want you to note some of the behaviors of the fish in this passage. So Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's or Peter's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So the master, the master fisherman was teaching Although he, at this point in his ministry, was withdrawing from the crowds, the press around him, he still spoke with a power that drew others to him. So the multitude, the fish, there's my fish food picture, that followed Jesus at this point in his ministry were those who had, he had healed or sought to learn more from the master teacher. Matthew 4.24 records that his fame, Jesus' fame at this point, was spreading, and great crowds followed him. So to catch a fish... The master fisherman was bringing them food. The fish, in turn, were following wherever he led. So to be a fish, you must seek out after that which you need to live, your, your living bread, your living fish food. The crowd, this crowd that followed Jesus, wasn't the only crowd, though. School? This, this school of fish wasn't the only school that Jesus thought about or he had in mind as he spoke to the crowd. 
Uh, Jesus, in his sermon by the sea, had other audiences in mind. Looking down through the ages, he saw his faithful ones in prison, in judgment hall, in temptation, in loneliness, and affliction. Every scene of joy and conflict and perplexity was open to him. In the very words, in the words spoken to those gathered about him, he was speaking also to the others, the other souls, the words that they would need, the message that would come to them as hope and trial, of comfort and sorrow and heavenly light and darkness. Through the Holy Spirit, the voice that was speaking, the master fisherman speaking from the fisherman's boat on the Sea of Galilee would be heard speaking peace to human hearts to the close of time. So Jesus was speaking in a fisherman's boat to the fish, not only the fish gathered around him, but he was speaking to Mike. He was speaking to Josh. He was speaking to Chuck. He was speaking down through the ages the words that we would need. So Jesus at this time was in Galilee. Uh, this is actually the northern part of Galilee. I don't know if you can see it up there. On the top of the Lake of Galilee in a place called Gennesaret, at the very northern end. At this time in Jesus' ministry, his disciples had not completely yet committed to working fully for him. They didn't commit all of their time and all of their energy. They still spent time in their vocations. So Simon Peter was a fisherman, and he was nearby. Simon Peter had worked all night. Do I have any night shift people in the congregation? The night shift people understand. I've, I've done night shifts before, and you get to the point, the end of the day, maybe a 12-hour nursing shift, and then you still have a little bit more day that you have to do things. Peter had worked all night. He'd worked in his vocation all night. You must know how he felt at this point. So we've learned to catch a fish. You must know the fish. We learned that fish seek food, right? So to catch a fish, one must be where the food is, have knowledge about how different food applies to different fish. And using this knowledge, one can become a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. A fisherman is somebody, in my mind, that seeks after the knowledge of the best way to do things. A fisherman seeks after the best way to do things, how to use his means, his time, and availability to better himself and better his catch. So Peter, the fisherman, was discouraged. He must have been discouraged. He had worked all night. He had fished all night and caught nothing. Fished all night and caught nothing. During, that's, that's my fishing experience, during that time he must have thought about his friend John the Baptist, who had just been imprisoned, and he must have worried about what happens to the followers of Christ. What happens when you follow this radical man with his radical ideas? Have we often, during our dark times, been tempted to be discouraged? I know I have. Have you been tempted to be discouraged during those dark times when you haven't caught anything? Have you worked for days, hours, or weeks in your vocation? You haven't reached a single soul? So Peter's own occupation seemed to have failed him. He worked dejected, and he leaned not on Christ's understanding, but his own understanding. Peter leaned on his own understanding. A life of a fisherman without that isn't easy. But as he drew near Jesus, as the fisherman in his vocation drew near Jesus, as he drew near the Savior, the master fisherman, his understanding of his calling became, began to change. Jesus didn't call Peter to become a fisherman. Jesus didn't call Peter, I say the word fish a lot in my fish story, and I'm thinking about it now. Jesus didn't call Peter to stay in his vocation. He didn't call him to stay where he was. He called him to change. Let's continue in Luke 5, verses 4 and 5. 
Luke 5, verses 4 and 5. When he had stopped speaking, he, Jesus, said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So as the disciples worked hard all night, as they toiled all night, they were pressed hard by unbelief. What was missing from their fishing experience, what's missing, I would argue, from our fishing experience, is the presence of the master fisherman. So in this part of their calling, the disciples were learning a very important lesson. If you want to catch fish, if you want to catch fish, you must follow the master's instructions. So some of you of a certain age will recognize what's on the screen there. So have you ever read the directions for putting together a Lego set? All right, so I have some Legos up here. My son has loaned me. Thank you, son. So in a Lego model, they go page by page, and brick by brick, they have one, and then two, and then five, and then seven, and they put together, if you follow the instructions, I don't think there's any instructions of how to put these together, if you follow the instructions, brick by brick, page by page, the model nears completion. So how do you know that the model is neared completion? How do you know it's what it's designed to be? It's when it starts to resemble what the original creator of those directions had in mind when he created it. As it starts to change, it resembles what the creator had in mind for it all along. It resembles his design. So. I would argue if you would be a disciple of Christ, a fisher of men, and change from a fisherman to a fisher of men, you have to start with the building blocks. Learn the things that God would have you know by asking for the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Uh, learning how, what his plans are for you, what his original design is for you. Daily Bible study, healthful living. Have any of you heard of these, these uh, building blocks? Can you see how your life can be built on them? And the end goal in mind is just like the Lego model, is to resemble what the Creator had in mind for you all the time. Your life begins to take shape. Isaiah 28.10, For precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It is your privilege to grow in grace, to ever grow in grace, advancing in the knowledge and love of God. If you maintain the sweet communion with Christ, it is your privilege to enjoy. In the simplicity of humble faith, ask the Lord to open your understanding that you may discern and appreciate the precious things of his word. Thus, you may grow in grace, grow in simple, trusting faith. Grow into that design that the master fisherman has in mind for you. Let's rejoin our disciples here. Luke 5, 6, and 7. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Peter saw this miracle, when Peter saw the miracle of these fish coming in, his focus changed. God gives us miracles in our lives, or there's miracles recorded in Scripture that we can read, not to have us understand how God can work, but understanding how our focus can change. 
I would argue that when you see a miracle in your life, start looking for what you should be focusing on. So Peter was in his vocation, and Jesus had just helped him succeed at catching a large number of fish after a stressful night. But the, the purpose was not to glorify the fishermen. The purpose was to glorify God. So Peter's focus was on his work. His nose was to the grindstone. He was diligently focused on what he believed was important in his life, being a fisherman. But when he was faced with the stark reality, the stark reality that his life was nothing without Christ, he responded to the call to be a fisher of men. So Luke 5, 8 to 10, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Jesus said to Josh, Jesus said to each of you, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. The transition from being a fisherman to a fisher of men is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. It requires absolute self-surrender to the master, recognition of one's inability to do it on their own and sinfulness, and a reaching out to Christ in faith for the strength to walk the lonely and unknown path of discipleship. It requires continual reliance on Christ and on him alone. The life of a fisherman isn't easy. This is actually a picture of a Coast Guard boat rescuing a fishing boat. I stared at this picture for a few hours. I could not find the fishing boat. I could see the rescuer, though. And they're very, very stormy waves. The life of a fisherman is dangerous. It's uncertain. They battle ruthless waves. They're unsure of a steady income. The life of a fisher of men is no less so. But the Lord promises, we read there in verse 9, do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Discipleship is not an easy road. It has its ups and downs, its joys and its challenges, but the disciple, the fisher of men, is not called to walk alone. Fear not. The one who said, fear not, is by the side of the faithful disciple. Amen. Luke 5.11 So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. God takes men as they are. Praise God. God takes Josh as he is with the human elements in their character, and he trains them for his service. If they will be disciplined and learn of him, they're not chosen. God does not choose disciples because they're perfect, but notwithstanding their imperfections, that through the knowledge and practice of the truth, of God's truth, through the grace of Christ, they may be transformed into his image. The twelve disciples were not chosen because of their education, they weren't chosen because of their economic background, because of their social standing, because of any moral eminence or anything that marked them worthy of selection. They were ordinary men from ordinary backgrounds. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were zealots, a doubter, and one who even turned out to be a traitor. They were called, you are called, for one purpose only, to be ambassadors of the king and his kingdom. In other words, they're called to be fishers of men disciples. So Jesus calls you too. He asks you to be a fisher of men. If you've given your life to him and you started those Lego models, those building blocks, those foundational blocks, you begin to realize what the creator's original model looks like. 
God has called you to discipleship. He's called you to be a fisher of men. How do I know that? I have your call up here on the screen. Jesus came and spoke to them, Matthew 28, 18, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Watch the next words carefully. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So to be a fisher of men, a disciple, one needs to take what he's learned in these foundational building blocks and apply it. So I promised you a fishing story. This is an allegory. It's to prove a point. I'll let you draw your own, your own conclusions from it. This is a story that was written and told by Darrell Robinson. Now it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And there were many fish in the waters all around. And in fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, year after year, these fishermen met in meetings and talked about how to fish, their call to fish, the abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. And year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means. They defended fishing as an occupation, and they declared that fishing was to always be the primary task of fishermen. They built huge, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. And the plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. The one thing they didn't do, however, was fish. In addition to meeting regularly, they organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many other fish. They hired staff members, appointed committees, and defined how to fish, defend fishing, and decide what new streams should be thought about. But the staff and committee members didn't fish. Large, elaborate, expensive training centers were built whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the years, they offered courses on the needs of fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish. Those who taught had doctorates in fishology. But the teachers, the doctorates of fishology did not teach, did not fish. They only taught fishing. Year after year, many graduated and were given fishing licenses, and they were sent to do full-time fishing, some to distant waters which were filled with fish, and many felt the call to be fishermen and responded. They were commissioned and sent to fish. But like the fishermen back home, they never fished. Like the fishermen back home, they had all sorts of other occupations. They had power plants to pump water for fish, tractors to plow new waterways for the fish to move around. They made all kinds of equipment to travel here and there to look at fish hatcheries. Some also said that they wanted to join the fishing party, but they felt more called to furnish fishing equipment. Others felt that their job was to relate to the fish in a good way, so the fish would know the difference between good and bad fishermen. Others felt, this one got me, like simply letting the fish know that they were nice, land-loving neighbors, and how loving and kind they were was enough. After one stirring meeting on the necessity for fishing, one young fellow left the meeting and went fishing. The next day he reported he caught two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch and scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to tell how he did it. So he quit his fishing in order to go and have more time to tell his experience to the other fishermen. He was placed on the General Council of Fishermen as a person having considerable experience. Now it's true that many of the fishermen had to sacrifice and put up with all kinds of difficulties. Some actually lived near the water and bore the smell of dead fish every day. They received the ridicule of those 
who made fun of their fishermen's clubs and the fact that they claimed to be fishermen but never fished, and they wondered about those who felt it was of little use to attend the weekly meetings to talk about fishing. After all, weren't they following the master's instructions? The master who said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men? So, if you're a fish today, if you're a fish, recognize that the master fisherman is seeking you. The master fisherman is putting food out. He's drawing you in. He wants and desires you. I encourage you to seek after the food. If you're a fish, seek after the food that won't leave you hungry. Anyone in the audience that has ever fished knows that a master fisherman will spend minutes, hours, days, weeks waiting, waiting patiently for the fish, luring, drawing, seeking, going to where the fish are. If you're a fish, I encourage you to give yourself to the master fisherman. If you're a fisherman, if you're a fisherman toiling in your vocation every day, doing it is what you do, know that the master has more in mind for you than endless fruitless nights of work. The master fisherman designs and desires for you to work with him and for him. He asks you to take his yoke upon him. His burden is easy. His burden is light. And finally, if you're a fisher of men, if you're a fisher of men, what are you waiting for? Go catch a fish. 